Welcome to MK Sports Around the World podcast, episode number five. This is Matt Kretze. I will soon be joined by Krista Reed. Krista was a 1,000-point scorer at Vanderbilt and is a phenomenal shooter, 42% from three-point and 94% from the free-throw stripe in college at Vandy. I've been lucky enough to work with three players from Vanderbilt, Marquez Webb, Rachel Bell, and Krista. All three ended up finishing their careers at Vanderbilt under Stephanie White. Now, my fellow Hoosiers will probably remember that name. Stephanie grew up about an hour away from me in Indiana and was the National High School Player of the Year in 1995. And in 1999, she led Purdue to the national championship. Krista and I will talk about her career, both professional and collegiate, as well as hurricanes, graduate school overseas, and her Thanksgiving plans. So stay tuned. Hi, Krista. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So you're down in Mississippi. What town are you in? Bay St. Louis. And tell the listeners where that is. So if you look at Bay, if you look at Mississippi and you look at Louisiana on the map and you see where the state line meets, you travel all the way down to the Gulf Coast and I'm right on the border, okay. right on the water. And how far from the Gulf are you? I can probably make a drive five minutes and I'll be at the beach. Nice. That's nice most of the time, but it seems like hurricanes and tropical storms are kind of the regular routine these days. This year has been so crazy with hurricanes and tropical storms. Uh, We just had one three or four weeks ago and there's still debris everywhere. Our city's been waiting for FEMA to come help us clean some of it up, but for the uh, large part of our city, there's a lot of debris. So the last podcast I had with uh, Marissa Quick, one of my clients from Kansas, she would go out, um, her downtown was on a hill in the small rural area and they could watch tornadoes and she averaged maybe three or four tornadoes a year. So you're kind of the three or four tropical storms and hurricanes a year, it seems like lately. Has there ever been any flooding like at your house? Oh, definitely. Uh, we'd be lucky to get three or four storms in a year, but you know, in the odd event that we've had so many, uh, we get flooding. We actually live in a higher part of the city, so my house doesn't experience too much flooding most of the time. But if you like go on a drive or something, whenever the storm first starts, like before it lands, but when it first starts, you can see flooding all over the city. There's some roads you can't travel down, and then as the storm progresses, you know, the water rises. But depending on the severity of the storm, it doesn't usually flood our home. What's been the worst storm since you've lived there? So I grew up here. I'm 25 years old now. And so the worst storm has been Hurricane Katrina. Okay, it got some you. People, yeah, yeah, some people have heard of it. Some people haven't. But that was the worst storm ever. Uh, we evacuated to Georgia because my sister was going to Payne College in Augusta. Okay. And whenever we first came back, I didn't even recognize the city because everything was gone. Really? Mm-hmm. Was your house damaged? Oh, yeah. We definitely got flooding then. Even though we um, sit on one of the highest points of the city, we still got flooded. So you can only imagine what the rest of the city got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how far are you from like New Orleans? How far of a drive? So anytime I fly, I usually fly out of New Orleans. And so it's usually about a 45 minute drive to the airport. But um, depending on where I'm going to New Orleans, it could be 30 minutes to an hour. Okay. So you're, you're pretty close. Yeah. Wow. So tell me a little bit about your high school career, basketball career. I know you, did you win one state title? Yeah, we only won one. Yeah, he said that was such a disappointment. Yeah. 
And I think you, you have a sister who won one or two, right, as well? So I actually have three older sisters. Okay. They all played at the same high school that I played at. Uh, the oldest two won a state championship together. Nice. Then the next two won a state championship together. And then Hurricane Katrina hit, and we had to move up north in Mississippi. And that one won a state championship um, by, her, by herself. She didn't have the other sister with her. And then by the time I came around, I ended up winning one with my teammates. And you had moved? Moved back. Yeah, we had moved back by then. Okay, well, that's impressive. And I saw a stat that uh, I think it was on Vanderbilt's page, but did you really shoot 59% from three point? as a senior? So let me tell you, I did. Nice. I shot 59% and I think that my senior night really helped out. Uh, I think I tied the state record for most threes made in the game and I went 14 for 14. Are you serious? 14 for so 14? Wow. Yeah, I still haven't been able to do it again. <laughs> So you weren't one of those three-point shooters that was like, uh, you know, nine for 12 or something for the year. You, you shot a lot of threes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Wow. 59%. That's impressive. I don't think I've ever had a client shoot over maybe 45, 46 for a year. So that's that's awesome. Congratulations. So that was your senior year of high school was 2013, right? 2014. 14. Okay. So then you went, um, tell me about the recruiting process. Did you look at other schools other than Vanderbilt? I did. Um, the recruiting process was crazy because I had never experienced anything like that before. And my parents basically gave me the reins to, you know, make the decision on my own. And so I ended up narrowing it down to Vanderbilt, Miami, Michigan, Ole Miss, because they were in-state, and West Virginia. And so out of Michigan, um, Miami, and Vandy, they had the best education out of the five. So I think that that played a really huge part in me choosing Vanderbilt. And then I was a, um, a one-hitter quitter. I went on one official visit and ended up committing that was um, it. the day later. And that was... That was when Coach Balcom was there? Coach Balcom, yep. Yeah, okay. And then, so when did she leave? So this was after my sophomore year, which would have been 2016, 2007. No, 2015, 2016. Okay, so you had half your career with her and then Mm -hmm. half with uh, Coach Stephanie White? Yes. I've known Stephanie White a little while. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't know Coach Balcom, but was it a major change in styles? It was a huge change in styles. Well, so under Coach Balkum, she ran a lot of sets and wanted you to play out of the sets. Um, our defensive styles were different. We played a lot of like trick zones, you know, Vandy kids play a lot of trick zones, stuff that the other team couldn't figure out. Yeah, smart kids. So then, yeah. And so then when Coach White came, she's more of a um, like your typical SEC coach in terms of wanting to play up and down fast, uh, run and gun, pressure the ball. And so I feel like that was a huge transition for our team who had just come from a slower pace type of game. Mm -hmm. It It was a lot to address too. Do you think your style matched one better than the other? Well, I played two different positions in both of them. So under Coach Balcom, I played more of a guard position. And then under Coach White, I played more of the post just because our team was lacking height so badly. So I think that I like Coach Balkum's style better just because in high school we had a style that was really similar. But I really feel like Coach White's style works when you have the right players and when you have 
players that will actually commit to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I know one of my clients, Marquez Webb, was there. Was she a year ahead of you? Yeah, she was my best friend. Okay. That's probably how I ended up signing you and Rachel. I can't remember. But um, so she was kind of an undersized. I don't know. Did they have her playing? I know it was in the paint, but like a center position, right? Oh, definitely. She was our most physical post player. And actually, I think her last two years, she was the tallest person on our team at six foot one. Yeah. And you're so, you're 5'11"? On a good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a big breakfast and, and good shoes. Yeah. yeah. 5'11". So, and I think you can, pl- you've played and can play positions one through four, right? Correct. Um, I never played one in college. I did play one in high school a little bit, one on the AAU circuit, but never in college. We always had plenty point guards, just needed, you know, bigger players. Yeah. And I look back at your highlights before we talk tonight from college and half of them are you rebounding in the paint, <laughs> you know, like where, where a center would be or somebody down low. Um, yeah. It's funny on one of them, they, they, they say like guard Krista Reed with the rebound and there's no one else down low. <laughs> it's just you. So. so I have, I have highlight clips where, you know, I've played the guard, but that was early on when I was under Coach Balkum. Okay. So whenever, you know, me and you got together and we were looking for places for me to play, they wanted more recent film. Yeah. You know, like from your senior year. So that's where I got a lot of post film from. Okay. That makes sense. When Coach Balkum left, was there any consideration for transferring or did you like the school enough where you thought, you know, whoever came in, you'd stick it out? I think that I really, really liked the school um, because I did have the opportunity to transfer and know exactly where I was going. Yeah. Like it was one of those type of situations, but I really, really liked the school. I love my teammates. And so I was just like, well, I'm, I'm going to give it a chance, whoever the new coach is, whoever new, the new coaching staff is. And I, it's not hard for me to buy in if it's something that I want to do or somewhere I want to be. And tell me again, was it um, your major at Vandy? Was, was it health science or public health? Yeah, so it's called Medicine, Health and Society, but I feel like no other college in the country calls it that. Okay. So I basically just say it's public health. Okay. And then I think you told me one time you got to go to Europe as part of your, your was it like a senior year project or something? Well, what had happened was our football team somehow had a like a better year than they had been having and they went to a ball game. So whenever your football team goes to a ball game, the school gets money, the athletic department gets money. And they were encouraging us to try to um, study abroad. And this was my junior year. Okay. They encouraged us to study abroad. So I applied, got accepted into the course and the athletic department ended up paying for the course. It was a um, course in May, which is usually when students or student athletes go home. Okay, so that worked for you. Basketball was over and you could go. So was it was it just a month? Yeah, it was just a month, but it, the month was so fun. We went to France and we spent the first two weeks in Aix-en-Provence. Okay. And then we spent the last two weeks in Paris. And even though we had a lot of coursework, there was still a good balance between coursework and going off to museums and going to sail on the scene and, you know, doing yeah, fun little That's stuff. phenomenal. That's something that a lot of students don't get to do, especially athletes. And it's amazing to me that Vandy going to a bowl game allowed that to happen. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be surprised. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I know they get a million bucks or whatever it is, but back to the school. So that's nice that they uh, they chose to do something worthwhile with it. Yeah, I'm grateful. I'll always be grateful for that. So did you also go on a trip 
like a European or Australian trip with your basketball team or no, because of the switch in coaches? Well, we did actually my junior year, between my junior year and senior year, I did a lot of traveling. So we, I went to France for that May. And then in that August, we went to Costa Rica to go play in like a little tournament, tournament down there. We did Souls for Souls. So we went and distributed shoes to children at schools. So that was a good opportunity cool. too. Yeah. So that was all within a few months. And then did that kind of, I don't know, whet your appetite for wanting to play overseas when you were done? Oh, definitely. Um, before I went to college, I always felt like I wanted to play overseas. And I think by the time a lot of athletes get to the end of their, their college career, they're kind of worn out or really just tired of the sport. But when I got to the end, even if I was a little bit tired of basketball, I still wanted to experience what I set out to experience. And, you know, I've loved every second of it. I even love, I love basketball even more now than I did three years ago. So that's good. Going back to your sisters, did any of them play D1 college ball? One of them played D1. The other two played Division Two. Okay. Uh, so the one that played, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. The one that played Division One played at Southern Miss right here in Mississippi. Okay. And did any of them try and play overseas? Well, the one that played at Southern Miss, she actually played in a tournament in Taiwan under Coach Schaefer, Vic okay. Schaefer. Yeah. And after that, she ended up not playing anymore afterwards because she had really bad back spasms and that required like a lot of medical attention while she was in college. So she decided to, you know, retire. Okay. So you, you were the first and the only. Personally, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Are you the youngest child? Yeah, I'm the youngest by like six years. Okay. Oh, you don't have any, I didn't know if you had a brother or anything. So it's just, no. it's the Reed girls and you're the youngest by six years. Wow. Honestly, I think my parents were trying to have a boy and I just came out. <laughs> <laughs> you don't always get what you, what you want. That's yeah, that's funny. true. So then you and I connected and your next stop was in Killister, Ireland. And I think 2018, 19, you were the leading scorer in the league. And then last year, 19 and 20. 20, you were all first team. So you had two really good years there. Tell me about that experience. Well, the first year, which I'm sure we'll get to later, I was a student athlete. I was um, doing a master's program. But overall, I think that the experience really immersed me into another culture. And it did so to the point where I didn't have to adjust too much. So like in Ireland, as you know, they speak English. Um, a lot of Western culture is reciprocated in Ireland, whether they realize it or not. Mm -hmm. And so it felt like I was living in another state. So it wasn't hard to adapt to life and it made it even easier to adapt to basketball. And even though the playing styles were a little bit different, basketball is basketball wherever you go. And so I had a really good support system with my team and my coaches and, you know, it kind of just helped me fit right in and play with them. You've been there two years and you don't have any accent yet. Well, so I don't have an accent when I'm home, yeah. but whenever I'm over there, I've like ridden in taxis or Ubers and they'll be like, so what part of the country are you from? <laughs> really? And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not from here. I'm from America. That's funny. Because a lot of times when I talk to them on the phone, it is hard to understand. I know they speak English, but it's a different English. It, it can be difficult to understand what they're saying, as you yeah. know. Oh, yeah. And it depends on where you're at in the country as well. So in Dublin, they have their own specific accent. Then you travel over to Kerry and they sound completely different. And then you travel up north and they sound completely different. 
and one accent would be easier to understand than the other. And then the other, you're just like, I, I know you're speaking English, but I have no clue what you're saying. All right. So it's not just me. You have a hard time too? Definitely. Okay. That's good. Well, I, I know they really love you uh, in Killister. So that's one of the reasons why Coach Carl wanted you to come back for your second year. So your second year, you didn't go to school at all, right? It was just basketball? It was just basketball um, to kind of help supplement my time. They had me coaching in a lot of different places, in different schools, volunteering with other age groups in the club. So I was never just sitting on my hands, you know, wondering what I should do. Mm -hmm. Which happens a lot over there. There's a lot of yeah, downtime. Definitely. So that, so let's go back to your first year when you studied. What did you, uh, what program did you study? So I got admitted into a program to do business and entrepreneurship. It was a master of sciences at the Technological University of Dublin. They just got university status the year that I graduated. Okay. So I'm happy Good. about that. Yeah. And what, what, tell me about like the coursework and what you, what you had to do for the degree. Yeah. So the coursework was a little bit different than when I was at Vandy, because at Vandy, you would have much harder coursework, but there wouldn't be so much of it. Whereas in my master's course, we would have probably like three or four projects in each class. And we'd have seven or eight classes for one semester, but the coursework wasn't too difficult. It was just time consuming and it took a lot of effort. Okay. So that was something that I had to get adjusted to and the fact that basketball doesn't practice and play every single day kind of helped with my time management whereas you know in the states if you're a student athlete you live breathe and you just do everything for your sport and then try to squeeze in your studies and so I think the adjustment was hard but then again the fact that we didn't have as much basketball kind of helped yeah so if you have seven or eight classes that means you're meeting um, every day or is like some of them three classes in one day to the next well it would be like one day you have three classes the next day two classes then one day no classes then the next day two and then the next day one or something like that okay yeah. and then two or three practices a week and then a game on the weekend right okay so time management is probably the hardest skill but once you pick that up you felt like it, you were able to handle it pretty well oh definitely time management is always the the skill that's necessary for student athletes yeah definitely and would you recommend like players who go overseas you know at least consider that as an option oh definitely i would if you want if you're the type of person that wants to continue your education but you also want to experience being in another country and playing your sport in another country, I definitely say to go for it. You never know what you'll get. Yeah, exactly. And the, especially if the costs are covered and, you know, there's so much downtime. Um, it sounds like your second year there, they found things for you to do. But a lot of times, you know, I have players that tell me they'll, you know, they have five, six hours a day of just sitting there, you know, watching videos on their laptop or whatever. So I always think it's, if you can swing it, if, you know, if part of the costs are covered or if it's fully covered, I think it's it's a pretty good option that you'll you wouldn't get back home at the states because you'd have to pay out of pocket once you're done you know once you're done playing ball definitely so. unless you're like a fifth year student yeah that's true um so it was a it was a one-year program and it took like 10 months is that what it was yeah so we started in september of 2018 but then we graduated november 9th of 2019 okay so it was when you went did you come you came home for the summer though right yeah i was working on my thesis then okay okay 
And then you went back and then I remember seeing pictures of the graduation ceremony. So that, that was like a couple months into your second season. Gotcha. Right, yep. So this season, as I said before, Carl really likes you. So they, they brought you back for a third season and everybody kind of knew that COVID was out there and potentially could cause some problems. So tell me, um, I think you went, you went over like late September, early October. What, uh, what was your, your experience like this time around in year three? So obviously it's going to be way different with COVID happening and ultimately our season got postponed but from the time that I got there to the time that I found out we were planning on having a full season starting in November and so whenever the first game couldn't be played because of the state of the country like it was in the level three lockdown um, we kind of took a step back and reevaluated what was going to happen and how we were going to go about it so it's definitely something that you know we didn't predict happening. And you practiced with the team for that month? And everybody was kind of Sorry. looking forward to that early November game. And then it was like, I don't want to say it was a surprise, but it was two weeks to go until the game or whatever. Then they decided to postpone the season until January, right? Right. And the thing is, we had played scrimmages. We had done scrimmages and a younger age group season had already started. So we didn't think that they were going to make us postpone our season or cancel our season or anything. Did you have any positive tests on the team? Yeah, we had one. We had one that was before we we the Americans before we had gotten there but she didn't spread it to anybody else on the team okay huh. and how was your experience flying over there in late September was it I mean pretty pretty normal or, or did you feel like it was kind of a scary time to be flying I felt like it was a scary time to be flying but also almost didn't mind it because I had flown in March and that's whenever I came home either it was February or March I had come home then right at the start of it which was even scarier them because we didn't really know much about it. Yeah. And so I just tried to do what I was supposed to do, keep my mask on, wash my hands. And whenever we got to Ireland, we quarantined for two weeks. And what was your flight itinerary, like New Orleans to Chicago or New York? Or how'd you go? So this time I went New Orleans to Atlanta, to Boston, okay. to Ireland. So I was flying all over the place. Yeah. And the, it's the connections that always worry me because you have more people, you know, touching more things and you know, it's just, it's difficult. Was, was the plane full? So on the way there, the plane wasn't necessarily full, but on the way back home, I don't think there was an empty seat in any of the planes that I flew. Oh, so really? I think that was the scariest thing for me. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I forgot, we, we didn't talk about, so at the end of year two, your season was cut short in March then, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And it usually... You would have had at least a month and then the playoffs and you guys were doing fairly well, I think, right? Yeah. So we won the cup championship in January. And so whenever you win the cup championship, it doesn't matter where you finish in the league, you're going to the playoffs. But we were still going to finish, you know, top four, top five, which are those, those are the teams that get admitted into the playoffs. And we were going to go in with the expectation of winning, of course. Mm -hmm. So the fact that it got cut short was kind of a bummer. That is a bummer. Had the regular season ended when they sent you home or did you still have regular season to finish? I believe we had just played our last game and we were just waiting on the playoffs to happen. Okay. So that gets cut out and then you have this uh, one month experience where they, they send you back home. Was there any talk about hanging around until January or they, they just decided that since you couldn't go to the gym, you couldn't practice with the team, it would be better to just send you home? So they 
they gave me a few options. One was to come home just because, you know, I have access to a gym. I can go lift, I can go play, and I can be with my family for the holidays. The other option was to basically like try to find a job and help pay rent, just help pay for things because, you know, with COVID, a lot of clubs lose money sure. and they wouldn't have been able to, to, you know, pay me. So the other option was for me to stay there, find a job, and like just sit on my hands until the season started, which I didn't really want to do because, you know, the country is in lockdown. Mm -hmm. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything unless you're going to work. So you decided to come home. Yeah. And I don't know. <laughs> it's We talked about this earlier. I don't know if America is headed in a better direction than Ireland or not. It remains to be seen. But the number of cases here are a lot more than, than Ireland. I think you were telling me that when things were bad, it was a thousand cases a day or something, right? Yeah. It's a small country, but still. That, that, yeah, Ireland is like the size of Mississippi. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, do you know how many cases a day you're having in Mississippi? Uh, last time I looked, it was like two or three thousand, but I've tried not to look because I can't let that stress me out. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. The point is it's probably more than Ireland, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think we're at eight or yeah, 8,500, 8,000 here in Ohio. So everybody's going in the wrong direction. So with, with uh, your grad degree and your time spent in Ireland, assuming things get back on schedule and you're able to play a season, two more seasons, three more seasons, whatever it may be, what do you want to do with your life after basketball? What are your plans? Um, a lot of people are shocked when I say this, but I kind of want to go to law school and work in the um, public health sector just because my undergrad degree really turned me on to public health and I really love studying about it, reading about it, writing papers, you know, like no one ever says, but I like doing it because I like the topics that I was studying. So I really want to go into the legal field and, and work in that sector. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, having that background with the public health gives you kind of a unique perspective on things. And from somebody who went to three years of law school and practiced law for four or five years, it's, uh, I don't know, there's some parts of it that were enjoyable, some parts were frustrating, but there's the good thing is that you can always find something to use your law degree with, whether it's like you said, in the public health field or teaching or sports agent, there's all kinds of uh, things where it comes in handy because there's always, somebody's always breaking the law. Somebody's always needing a lawyer. Somebody's always, you know, needing a contract read. So I think you'll do fine with that. Have you considered uh, taking law courses overseas or do you want to do it all here in the States? Yeah, I'd rather do it all there in the States. You know, go through the whole painstaking experience. <laughs> yeah. Would you go back to Vandy? Uh, probably not, just because I like to be in different places, new experience new things. Yeah, well, that, that'll be interesting. So this episode will probably come out the week of Thanksgiving. So tell me a little bit about the Mississippi Thanksgiving down there in a normal year, not in 2020, but what would you normally do and, and what kind of traditions do you have? Well, I think my favorite part about Thanksgiving is the food. You know, like most people, but usually our food doesn't consist of, you know, your typical turkey, your typical stuffing. We usually have food like gumbo or we'll have jambalaya or, you know, something seafood based just because, yeah. I mean, we do live so on the coast. New Orleans and on the coast. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I love our atypical Thanksgivings and I just had a niece that was born. So without COVID, somehow we're going to have to try to figure out a way to fit her in, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, I just love this time because I get to spend time with my family. And this is probably the first time I've been able to spend time with my family for Thanksgiving in about five years. Really? Yeah. You're never, so. you're never home the last two and a half years. And then, you know, college.
college and basketball tournaments and everything over Thanksgiving break. Yeah. That's uh that'll be good. So who's the who's the cook in the family? The cook, Lord. It's my mother. Okay. She um she does most of the cooking. My sisters help a little bit. I've helped a little in the past, but you know, nothing too crazy. Yeah. So mom makes the jambalaya and the gumbo. Mm-hmm. And then we also have people that like to give us food. So we're always grateful for that. Yeah. Well, you said your dad is a minister, a preacher, right? So that probably, he probably gets a lot of free food, I would think, <laughs> given yeah. to him. Our um, our church has a lot of chefs in it. Yeah. So they always love to bless us with their food. That's that's a good blessing. Oh, yeah. So are your sisters local or have they moved away? So one sister lives here, probably like right down the street from my parents' house. Okay. She's in the Navy. And so she's stationed here. The other sister lives in Dallas and then the other sister we never know where she is because she's a travel nurse and she just gets up and goes and doesn't say anything to anybody so I mean like we talk a lot but she's just like one of those free spirits like you never know where she is so she's she's potentially coming for Thanksgiving or you don't know I don't know where she'll be for Thanksgiving but to be honest because of COVID I mean she's working in hospitals and stuff like that yeah and because of COVID my other sister who just had the baby she lives in Dallas I don't know if she'll be making the trip down here okay so I think that we're gonna spend this Thanksgiving kind of separated and I mean, I guess it's for good reasons because of COVID and everything. Yeah, kind of a small, small feast within the home. Yeah. Just you guys. Okay. Well, that'll be nice. Well, hopefully next year you can get back to normal a little bit. That's what we're all hoping for. So yeah, hopefully. Have the big feast next year with extended family and everybody home. Yeah. What, um, we'll just end it with, with what are you thankful for in 2020? Mm-hmm. It's yeah, kind of a hard question. <laughs> yeah, it is. I was going to say a lot of people would say that it's hard to be thankful for anything with COVID happening. It is hard. You have to really like- Yeah, like there's just so much going on. But even though COVID has done some really, really bad things in terms of like disrupting our regular lives, it also kind of put me back home for a little bit. And this is time that I needed with my family because, I mean, for one, I was at Vandy for four years. And then for the three subsequent years, well, two subsequent years, I'm playing overseas. So I haven't spent more than three or four months with my family at a time. Whereas this year, I can't play overseas right now and so I've been home probably since February yeah with the with the exception of being in Ireland for a month or two so this is probably the longest I've spent with my family and you know I'm grateful for it that's good and, and everybody's getting along oh yeah for the yeah. most part well, good it's hard when you move back home as an adult even in you know I remember like summers in law school or before law school even you kind of set your ways as an adult and then you come back so yeah, yeah that's you get good used that... to like you get used to like living alone so then when you have somebody like calling you all day texting you all day bothering you while you're at home you're like all right i need some space (laughs) it's hard to be independent yeah well that's good you know in the long run you'll look back on it and it will be a blessing that you're home with your family that's time that I mean most college kids would would have been home some weekends and you know all those holidays that you were playing basketball so that's good that you're getting some time a little later than normal but it's still time quality time with family that's good definitely well I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to uh, talk to me tonight hopefully in the next few months whether it's Ireland or somewhere else we can get you back on the basketball court somewhere let's hope so but I have a question for you sure what are you most thankful for this year oh Oh, what am I most thankful for? 
Um, when I asked it, I was thinking, geez, I don't know what I would say. I would, <laughs> I would say probably that everyone in my immediate family and my parents, I have a 96-year-old grandma in Tucson that I talked to this week. Everybody's been healthy through it. So fingers crossed that that keeps going, even though the, the numbers are spiking and out of control and the news is like doomsday every night that you think it's, you know, like the circle's tightening. I keep thinking I'm going to look out the window and this like coronavirus is going to come down the street. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they make it like. But so far, so good. You know, I'm starting to like that circle that's tightening I'm talking about. It's like you hear like my daughter's teacher's son got it or, you know, like um, people, you know, are starting to get it. Whereas six months ago, it was, you know, just rumor like somebody down the street knew somebody that had it. But now it's like getting closer. So that scares me a little bit. So, yeah, long story short, I think I am thankful that everybody has stayed healthy and everybody's trying their best to wear the masks and to do what, what's right, wash your hands and not gather. So we're trying to be safe here, at least in my house. So we'll see if we can get through it. But it's the holidays. I think if everybody just kind of sucks it up and, and says, we'll make it through this Thanksgiving and Christmas so we can we can be with relatives at the next one, you know, just kind of look mm -hmm. forward. So. And hopefully we'll have a vaccine soon. We have, I wish we had gumbo and jambalaya for Thanksgiving giving, but it's, uh, I don't know, maybe I'll have to, I do a lot of the cooking for the, the holidays, so I might have to change things up a little bit and do something oh, a little different than the, yeah, than the turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing. And um, do, you, do you have stuffing dressing down there that you'd still eat if you didn't have a turkey or, or no? Because I know like some places put oysters in it, like some of the southern stuffings are a little different. Yeah, we'd still have like a seafood dressing. It would okay. have like shrimp in it. Okay, nice. Well, you have to text me a picture of your feast before everybody starts starts going after it. Oh, I definitely will. All right. I'll text you one of mine too. One of, one of my boring Thanksgiving dinners. Sure, it's still uh, good though. Oh, it's good. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's just not as, I don't know. I, I think that's fun. I love gumbo and jambalaya, but I didn't even think about it for Thanksgiving, but that's a, that's a good idea. All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. And thanks so much again for uh, talking with me tonight and keep trying to stay in shape as best as you can. I know it's tough with uh, restrictions on gyms and nobody's getting together to play basketball basketball and restrictions i yeah. live in mississippi <laughs> <laughs> that's true can you still go to your high school to play pick up games and stuff if you need to yeah they have basketball season basketball season's on but, but will they let you come in and, and play if yeah. you need to yeah well that's cool well stay away from the virus i'll try <laughs> <laughs> good luck thanks krista thank you a big thanks to Krista for sharing her basketball experience and a little bit about her Thanksgiving. She's a special person and a true definition of a student athlete. You heard about her experience with basketball and COVID in 2020. One season ended abruptly in March, a summer of uncertainty, before finally getting the okay to return to Ireland, only to practice for a month before her season was postponed. This is the life of an overseas pro basketball player in 2020. Life is rough for everyone, especially those who face the virus head-on or lost a loved one. But I wanted to let all of my clients know how proud I am of them. They face this uncertainty and anxiety with courage and without complaint. The ones who've been lucky enough to score contracts this year have persevered through travel restrictions and quarantines. There's always the threat of canceled games or seasons and postponements. Jess Kelleher is dominating with Visby in Sweden. Fallon Frigia is putting up good numbers with Mark Basket in Sweden as well. Kelly Moten is up to her usual dominance in Wasserberg, Germany. She always threatens to put up a triple-double each and every game. Oceana Hamilton 
and Madison Wolf are finding their footing in Germany's second division and are becoming the league's most dominant bigs. Chelsea Shumpert is back in Nottingham, England, ready to get buckets in the WBBL whenever the league gets back on track. Marissa Quick is also in England, quarantined with most of her team as they're fighting through a big COVID outbreak. Get well soon. And Lauren Lovin went to Ireland for a month like Krista did and recently came home as their season has been suspended until January. And to all the clients who are home in the USA waiting for a job, your time will come. In a normal year, there would be many more available jobs. This pandemic has hit clubs hard financially. They've lost many of their regular sponsors and a lot of their income. Last year, I had 14 players in Europe, followed by 14 in Australia. To date in Europe in 2020, I have nine players. So yes, it's been a tough year for a lot of us. But as I told Krista, I'm thankful my friends and family have maintained their health. In these scary, depressing times, you have to look at the positives. My favorite time of the year is approaching, Christmas. As a matter of fact, I broke out the Christmas music a couple of weeks ago. It's an instant mood booster, and I highly recommend it. And the long election is over as well. That is also an instant mood booster. So enjoy your Thanksgiving holiday, and be sure to tell those you care about that you love them. And put on your mask, Grandma. It saves lives. Thanks for listening.